All right, y'all, welcome to the newest episode of Where All the Ladies At, a podcast that dives deep into women that may not be well-known, but certainly should be known. And this month, we are celebrating Black History Month, which is amazing. So every woman this month is going to be a woman of color that has revolutionized an industry or made a first movement into that industry. Uh, and so the women that we're going to be talking about are simply amazing and it's that's especially true of the very first one we're going to talk about but before we dive into that I want to do some housekeeping I want to let you know I really appreciate you guys listening and all your comments and if you like what you're hearing and want to hear more and help me make this podcast even better there are now ways that you can support me and those are in the description box below as always if you want to reach out the social media and email are there as well and that's going to be all I'm going to say about that we'll talk about a little bit more about it at the end of the episode because I want to jump into the woman of the week and that is Mary Eliza Mahoney she is the first african-american woman of color that was a licensed nurse she inspiring life just a legacy that really extended well beyond her life and really affected a lot of women of color in the U.S. and really globally and I apologize if you hear that there are people outside and I you know I can't I can't have them be quiet obviously so going back to Mary Eliza Mahoney she just had this resilience and determination and it really led to a fantastic journey and a remarkable life and really left her as a true pioneer so let's jump into it but before we jump into her story as always we need to cover what it was like during the time of her life and uh, what it was like for women in particular so let's start with what the landscape looked like in the U.S. at the time of her birth she was born in 1845 so obviously there was a lot of racial and stereotype genders being present during her life she saw the civil war which was a devastating war obviously between the north and south in the U.S. It was over a lot of different factors, including slavery, economic difference, and, and state rights as well. That would lead to the Emancipation Proclamation, which was the announcement that President Abraham Lincoln addressed in 1863, which gave all slaves in Confederate-held territory their freedom. And this was, of course, not the last step that needed to be taken, but a pivotal step towards the abolition of slavery. That would be followed by the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, which really shocked the world and devastated a, a wide birth. Then she would live through the Reconstruction era, era, which was the time when the South rebuilt and addressed the challenges of trying to integrate the newly freed slaves into their society, which, as we all well know, didn't go the way it should have. And uh, the Reconstruction era was challenging because they couldn't get past their old mindset and it led to even more segregation and horrible treatment of the African Americans that were just trying to find their footing in in a country that they called home. It was their home too. By that time most of them had been born in this country and they just wanted the same rights everybody else had and unfortunately that wouldn't come for quite some 
some time and if you ask some people still hasn't really come it's better but it's not perfect that being said let's jump back into after the reconstruction era the 13th amendment was laid down in 1865 this uh, basically abolished slavery throughout the country. It was no longer uh, legal to own people. Uh, and of course, this 13th minute amendment didn't, it, the changes that came from it didn't happen right away. Like it took time because, you know, there were some states that didn't get the news till much later. The industrialization and westward expansion also happened. It was, you know, the, the country of the U.S., the United States had begun to rapidly industrialize. And because there were so many people, they needed to expand west. And this led to the Transcontinental Railroad in 1869. And made travel across the, the rather large country uh, much easier. The women's rights were also a big topic. It started with the Seneca Falls Convention in 1848. This is where the Declaration of Sentiments was drafted and this was where women's suffrage and equal rights, uh, fight for equal rights really began in the U.S. Uh, in 1857, there was the Dred Scott decision that ruled enslaved people were not considered citizens and could not sue for their freedom. This was before the Emancipation Proclamation and the 13th Amendment, of course. These are all things that she lived through, though. Kansas-Nebraska Act in 1854, which just exacerbated the situation and spread slavery by allowing settlers in new territories to decide whether they would allow slavery. And this, this meant in the expanding territory, they decided whether they wanted slavery or not. And that created a lot of tension. Once again, this was all before the uh, anti-emancipation question and the 13th Amendment. Uh, also, 1848 to 1855, you saw the gold rush that was uh, sparked in California. And this made a lot of people move west, which helped with, which really only exacerbated the westward expansion. So you see, like, she was living, she was living at this time where it was tumultuous. It, not to say that before this time and after this time, there wasn't any issues, but there was so much change change going on in her life that it inevitably had to affect who she was as a person right and really created this like independent uh, strong-minded woman and at a time when women were just not allowed to be like that there were a lot of women like that of course don't get me wrong like there were some strong women back then and definitely some that had opinions and and and, and open minds and things like that but they weren't supposed to have it and that's leading us perfectly into what it was like for women at that time. And shocker of all shockers, you're gonna find out that they had limited legal rights. They had very few rights to own property. Uh, they had very little access to education. They had almost no space in political processes. And surprisingly enough, married women in particular ha had very, very few legal rights because at that time they were still considered to be property of their husbands. Once they had their last name, they were basically owned by them. That that whole idea reinforced the idea of having separate spheres. Women were to stay in their domestic realm where they were seen as wives and mothers and responsible for managing the household and raising children and being good little wifeys. They weren't expected to go out and get jobs so there were limited employment opportunities. They, they were almost always only employed in domestic-like jobs. So teaching, nursing, domestic service, uh, cooks, 
uh, nannies, that kind of idea. And obviously there was a wage gap, which still is there, ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately. And this really limited the ability for them to advance in any career they chose if they had a career. And part of that was because the education opportunities for women were pretty challenging. There were women that advocated for more access and even gained that access to higher learning institutions, which is why during this period in time, you saw a huge rise in uh, women's colleges, so women's only colleges. And all of this culminated in the emergence of women's rights movement. In the mid 1800s, there was a huge push with, with figures like Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony really advocating for women's rights. They wanted to challenge the gender roles and demand equal rights. And that was amazing. And it all started because the Seneca Fall Convention I mentioned earlier, this is where that Declaration of Sentiments was drafted. It was a document that outlined what women's grievances were and the de and demanded for equal rights. And that included the right to vote because at this time women weren't able to vote. Women were also very active in the abolitionist movement. They really drew a connection between their struggles and the struggles of the slaves, which now looking back at it, I don't necessarily think was completely accurate, but at that time they could see it and they needed to struggle for equality. So a lot of women joined the abolitionist movement. Women like Sojourner Tooth and Harriet Tubman all played a role in, in advocating for not only abolition, but women's rights too. They were underrepresented in, in political fields because they were excluded from participating. They weren't able to vote. And so even though abolition gained that momentum, their voices were still marginalized. They weren't really able to have any space in discussions or decision-making processes. And then there was the social expectations and cultural norms. They really held tight to those gender roles. And and the the cult of womanhood uh, emphasized virtues like piety and purity and submissiveness and domesticity and this just further limited women from having the freedom and opportunities that the men in the country and white men not all men white men had that they didn't and there was a slow progress though like it it, it started movement towards gender equality but it would still take a lot of time before there was any closer because if you ask me they're still not true gender equality, there was significant social and legal changes that allowed women to be more present in everything and have uh, more access and, and women of color as well. But there's still a, a huge disparity. And that's sad to say that we haven't come that far, you know? So that's what it was like for women at that time. It was a challenging time, but one that was full of promise and 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 potential change. Like I, none of the big changes happened and it wouldn't happen for women of color for much longer which just is ridiculous honestly and so Mary Eliza Mahoney Mary Eliza Mahoney was kind of this beacon of, of hope and like icon to look up to because she even though she stepped into a career that was considered a domestic career because she was a nurse she still was making strides that other women of color could look up to it was you know she was the breaker of the barrier that allowed allowed them to move into these type of fields on a more regular basis. It still wasn't super popular and there was still segregation involved and there was all these things, but it still opened, she still opened up doors for them. So let's, let's take a look at this amazing life. She's just, <laughs> yeah, and I don't know, I don't know how many 
people know about her. And, you know, when we think about Black History Month and we think about women, there are certain names that come up. And I, when I chose the people for this series, I tried to, I'm so sorry there's construction going on outside. I hope it's not too loud. I tried to really pick names that you wouldn't know. In fact, the only one that I'm doing an episode on that everybody probably know is Harriet Tubman. And I just felt like she was a necessity to do. And her life was so interesting and there was so much depth to it that it had to go. But everybody else I chose is little known. And I think that's sad because some of these women were innovative. They were, they were, you know, they, they cracked that glass ceiling as we would say nowadays. Like, and Mary Eliza Mahoney is one of them. She was born in uh, 1845 in Massachusetts. Uh, she was born to a free African-American family. But even though she was born to a free family, there was still a lot of racial and gender equality she had to deal with. She faced a lot of significant challenges. But even still, she pursued her passion of nursing. And in 1878, she became the first African-American to graduate from the nursing program at New England Hospital for Women and Children. She really dedicated herself to nursing and she became one of the first black members of the American Nurses Association. She was super committed to professionalism and patient care and she earned a lot of respect from her colleagues. And then in, 1990, in 1896, she also worked to co-found the National Association of Colored Graduate Nurses because there was a lot of discrimination against black nurses in the workplace. And she wanted to create a organization that would help those women of color that wanted to enter the very, you know, honorable profession of nursing. You know, I have a, I have a, I have, and a lot of people have a big, big respect for nurses because everybody looks at doctors and thinks they're so great, but honestly, yes, they are, but nurses are kind of like the backbone and they don't get enough credit. And uh, that's a shout out to all the nurses I know out there. Eventually Mahoney would not only like look to trailblaze in nursing, but she wanted to be a, a, a voice for civil rights too. So she jumped right in. She was part of various women's suffrage groups and civil rights movements. She really used her platform to address uh, racial and gender discrimination. You know, she continued into the 20th century to contribute to nursing education. She worked as a private duty nurse while still advocating for better training for nurses. And all of this left a very lasting legacy because she emphasized the importance of higher education professional standards in nursing. In the later years, she received a lot of recognition. She received the prestigious Mary Mahoney Award from the National Association of Colored Graduate Nurses in 1920. This honored her, her contribution to nursing and equality. She, uh, unfortunately, she passed away January 4th, 1926. And But even with her passing, her life and her achievements left a lasting legacy that would, would echo for generations to come. Her contributions did not fade just because she passed. In 1936, the National Association of Colored Graduate Nurses established the Mary Mahoney Medal. This was an award to recognize nurses and women of color that 
signify for their significant contributions to both the field and equal opportunities. And honestly, her life story is just something that is like, a, just it just shows resilience and, and this willingness to like fight for what you thought was right and break those barriers, which was amazing, especially in that time when racial and gender prejudices were so heavy. It was a formidable obstacle. And, and her dedication to not only her love of healing and nursing, but equal rights was, it paved the way for a lot of people to keep fighting and, and create a more diverse healthcare professional world. Like it, she, the fact that more people don't know about her and the fact that her life was so amazing. I'm sure there's 10,000 different stories that I didn't tell about her. Like she was just awesome. And what a strong woman, what a, what a fighter, what a <laughs> amazing person, you know, someone that no matter what color you are, you should look up to. She was a woman of color that really moved the needle and, and in a field that it needed to be moved in. So that's Eliza, Mary Eliza Mahoney. And if you want to know more about her, like I, I did a medium uh, story about her. Yeah, I'll leave a link to some books and uh, resources in the description box so that you can learn more about her if you're interested. I, I highly suggest checking a couple of them out. It, her, she's just amazing. And that's why there's so, so many things to learn about her. And that includes the five fast, fascinating facts. Woo, that was fun to say. So, uh, of course, she is a pioneering nurse. She made history as the first African-American woman to become a professionally trained nurse in the United States. She graduated in 1879 and really helped to start the road to diversifying nursing profession. She was a barrier breaker, of course, as we talked. She not only faced racial and gender discrimination through her career, but she still remained undetoured. She co-founded the NACGN, as we said. She was an advocate for civil rights. She was awarded, she was well known. One of the biggest facts that I found out, she was really well known for her commitment to professionals and patient care. It, it earned her a lot of respect from colleagues and patients of all colors, like I said. She set pretty high standards for herself, and because she kept her bar high, it inspired others to try to reach that too. Huge legacy recognition. She has all these awards, and everybody, I mean, I think a lot of people, especially women of color in nursing, probably really recognize her legacy, and I think that's amazing. There was any specific like facts that really stuck out so I just kind of wanted to do a rehash of what we learned but all of them were viable and it's you know god her life just amazing and this is uh that's it guys for Mary Eliza Mahoney she really transcended the boundaries and really an indelible mark on on history especially when it came to nursings and uh, nursing and equal rights and I hope that you are inspired by her and inspired to learn more about lesser known women of color that really played a part in changing the world. There's a lot of them and they deserve just as much credit as Maya Angelou, Harriet Tubman, and all the other amazing women of color that, that left their mark. So that's it. Uh, as I said before, if you want to support the podcast, there is a link to my Buy Me a Coffee and Patreon in the description box. I will also link some resources. Those links will be Amazon links, so they will contribute 
contribute to my uh, make the podcast a better fund. And also, if you want to reach out to me in social media, all the links are there in the description box as well. If you want more, you can always check out the Medium publication. And there's so much more coming. Also, make sure if you're into history and you love mythology, you check out my new series, Where All the Ladies At, Mythology Edition. The first one is up, and it's about Circe. For the next seven weeks, we'll be covering the women of the Odyssey. Next week, we are covering Calypso. And uh, I'm looking forward to the mythology as well as next week's, I think, is uh, Pamela Coleman Smith when it comes to where all the ladies at women of history. So if you're into tarot, you might want to tune into that. And as always, guys, I'll see you next time.